0: You have your Bibles, we're continuing to look in First Peter. We'll be looking at First Peter chapter two, and I'm going to read starting at verse seven. I've entitled this message: Live as People Belonging to God. Live as people belonging to God. 1 Peter 2 verse 7 says this Now to you who believe this stone is precious but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall They stumble because they disobey the message with they also which is also what they Destined for. Verse 9. I want you to listen to this. Listen very closely. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Father, we pray that you'll anoint your word the remainder of this time Holy Spirit, have your way. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are clear and focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice something regarding verses 7 and 8. We looked at these last week, but I believe it's worth repeating here. A person will either believe in their hearts that Jesus is the son of the living God, having faith in Jesus, and Jesus being the living stone, and Jesus being precious to them. Or the person will reject Jesus, disobey the gospel message, and stumble and fall spiritually. This morning, I want you to focus and allow verses 9 through 12 to speak loudly to your heart, to your spirit this morning. These four uh, verses state clearly who you are as a believer, how we are to live, and and that you as believers are the Lord's. If you have any doubt that you are the Lord's, here's where it is. If you ever have any doubt about God, here's where it is. The verses proclaim who we are. We are God's. What we have received, God's mercy. They reveal that we are no longer living in darkness, but in his wonderful light. They tell us, we are to declare the praises of God. That is, if you want to say that is our duty, that is what we are to do. We are to, de- to declare the praises of God. They warn the believer to abstain from sinful desires that war against our souls. If you thought you were going to have an easy time coming as a Christian, there is a spiritual battle that you are facing. The pastor or the person that told you once you accept Christ, everything, all your worries are going to be gone, There there may be some worries that are gone, but there are spiritual battles ahead. Because the enemy comes in like a roaring lion. He He will seek who he may devour, and he is after you because he is ticked that you accept and place Christ as first in your heart. He is angry about that. He doesn't want that. So there is a spiritual war that is going on. The verses indicate that there is a spiritual battle that wars against our soul and that we should live such good lives that even if we are accused of doing wrong, that our good deeds will cause those who accuse us of wrong to glorify God when he returns. You see, I believe these verses also tell us that we have a responsibility. A responsibility as Christians And that is we are to worship and declare the praises of God. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. You see, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. If we are God's people, then we resent Jesus to the world. We represent God to the world. We may falter, we may sin, we may do things wrong... But at that time we need to confess that and deal with it right then as soon as you can. It talks about if you've got something against your brother you need to go to the altar and deal with it and then come come and pray. But that's something that we need to deal with. Just as people wear colors of their sports team that they follow. Just as people represent their company at conferences and wear badges on their lapels, just as police, fire officers represent their departments they work under with their uniforms they wear, just as, as the military represents the, the services that they serve, just as citizens of America uh, who compete in the Olympics represent America in the games, and just as the Old Testament slaves and believers uh, represented their masters and represented God then, we represent Jesus today. You see, each we each have a responsibility and a duty to live and we represent those we proclaim to be a part of. Who we say we are and whose we are. Israel was to witness and glorify God before the nations but they continued to sin and turned away and eventually crucified Christ rejecting him. As Christians we have a responsibility and a joy of living our life in the manner that gives God glory in every situation, every circumstance. That's what we should do. We have we have that opportunity. We have that, that blessing. We have that That purpose. See, Scripture tells us that even those who refuse to believe will one day have to glorify God. The unbeliever will not be able to have an excuse for not knowing about Jesus, not knowing about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim His handiwork. I don't see how you can look at at, at a sky or the mountains or or the oceans, the birds flying, and think that it all just happened or that we came from goo or whatever. The different species, all all of the creation, the different colors, all that happened. It didn't just happen. Genesis tells us that he spoke it out. Psalms 97 6. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. So the heavens declare the glory of God, they declare the righteousness of God. But second, the believer is to declare the glory and praises of God Almighty. Scripture tells us that we are to declare the glory of God as we praise him for what he has done in our hearts and in our lives. Romans 14, 9, for, uh, it is written, As surely I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue confess to God. Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above that is above every name at the Name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Nothing's left out there. Every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, The world needs to hear the message of the gospel and to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ so that they might Believe. And it is our responsibility as believers to work to do that. They need to see and witness for themselves the reality of living, uh, of lives being changed because of a person's faith in Jesus Christ. The greatest testimony you can ever give is your life being changed. For Christ, both in word and deed, among people who believe and people who do not believe. You see, the world needs to see clearly just how a person of faith lives, how their life has been changed both inside and out. It needs to be seen seen in the church, and it needs to be seen outside the church. We are to worship God here, but we are to worship God out there. People, we are, we are to live it here, and we are to live it out there. We are to display the love and grace of God here, the body of Christ, and we are to displace it, uh, pl- uh, to do it out there. That the whole world would see. The world needs to see the love of God and demonstrate it that way so so now we get into this. Peter gives us four characteristics four, four uh, descriptions of the New Testament church and the believers who make up the church. Those four are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation and a people belonging to God. Peter is now focusing on the believers and who, uh, who they are in contrast to the unbeliever in verses the previous verses. See, I believe he is doing it both corporately and individually. Corporately, that, in that the words he used is not individual words. People. Nation. Priesthood. Peter doesn't use the word person or or individual here. However, I do believe uh, that would naturally include the individual because the church is made up of people. The the priesthood is made up of people. A nation is made up of what? People. People. And so if the nation is going to glorify God, if the the priesthood is going to glorify God, if if the people who are chosen are to glorify God, the individuals need to glorify God. So the church is made up of individuals. And Peter clearly makes it uh, very personable to us when he says this, that you... So he said chosen people royal priesthood, holy nation, uh, people belonging to God. And then he says that you may declare the praises of who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. The believers, which Peter is addressing, would have realized that they owed Jesus everything. Everything. God uh, Jesus called them, God called them, saved them, delivered them, forgave them, and were Holy Spirit indwelt. They had all they had become in Jesus is because God called them and chose them out of darkness into the wonderful light. Chose them out of sin. See, the believer did not choose God. God chose you. We use a term, we we need to uh, place our faith in in Christ. We we need to choose to serve him and, and all that. And there's a part of that, but we really don't choose God. God chooses us. The love of God was shown, and the love was shown in that he first loved us. And that we respond in love. See, it, it, if we're not careful, we re, we respond to what comes to us. We respond to how we react to things. And that's not always good. See, Peter was speaking and writing to every believer, not just then, but down the ages to us today. He is speaking to the spiritual house we see that we looked at earlier in, this, in these lessons that was being built, the church, the entire body of Christ, the, in every individual. The term chosen people is not a new term in Scripture and is not certainly not a new term to the Jewish believer. Deuteronomy 7, starting with verse 6, says this, For you are a holy uh, your, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord God has chosen you out of all the people on the faces of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions. He's talking about Israel. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is is the faithful God, keeping his covenants of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Continues on in Isaiah 41, starting in verse 8, But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the furthest corners. I called you and said, You are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. He has chosen you. He's not rejected you. God's covenant was with with the people of Israel. They were his chosen people out of all the earth. They were to be a witness of God to the nations, to the world. God chose Abraham that he would be the father of, of, of nations, of Israel. Genesis 12:2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And it is Jesus who comes through that nation, that people. The promise of the Messiah. The Israelites were, were the people of God and they were to worship God and God alone. Thus the it, Jewish Christians would have known, would, it, the term chosen people would have been very familiar. That would have been, boy, can you imagine? That would have been heartwarming. The nation of Israel were the chosen people of God, and yet time and time again they turned away from God and they would reject God. They would reject Christ. They would crucify Him. God blessed the Israelites with the scriptures, with the prophets, with the promise of the Messiah, with the covenant. And when they rebelled and they turned back, he welcomed them in, come, forgave them. But Israel rejects Jesus and crucifies him. And then in Jeremiah, we find scriptures regarding a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, while I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with your forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. See, Jesus spoke of the New Covenant in the New Testament. That was the Old Testament. So this, this new covenant is spoken in the Old Testament, is foretold. That's why, that's why the Old Testament is so important. We find Jesus, we see Jesus in the Old Testament, we see him in the New Testament. We see the, the, the scriptures in the, in the New Testament refer back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament look forward to the New Testament proclaiming the prophets, proclaiming Jesus' birth, proclaiming all of that. It is interwoven. How could it just be 66 books with I can't think of how many writers writing all that? you think they? You think without a computer? Do you think they could have put it all together and make it happen? No, God by His Holy Spirit did it, inspiring the Word of God, inspiring the writers to write it. They didn't have tablets and oh, wait, what did? Oh yeah, Isaiah said this. Put it in here and and. The fishermen, they didn't have it all together. Man, they were—they were, they knew fish. They knew how to fish. They knew how to throw the line out there, or the net. They didn't really know the scriptures like like Paul did. Listen to Luke 22, 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews speaks of the new covenant. Hebrews 8, starting with verse 7, for, for uh, if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no, no place would be sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Hebrews 9:15. For this reason, Jesus, or for this reason, Christ, is the mediator of the new covenant, and those who 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 are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that He has died, as a ransom set to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. See the new covenant that that the apostle Paul was speaking about who's with all those who would place their faith in Christ Jesus it is with all it is with those that peter is addressing now the chosen people of god it is with you the church the spiritual house the believer in christ jesus peter tells the believer not only are you a chosen people but you are a royal priesthood According to Hebrews 6, Jesus was the priest in the order of Melchizedek. He had no beginning, no end. And as believers, we, we he has made us to be priests to worship and serve God Almighty. Revelation 1, 5, 6 says this, Grace and peace to you uh, from him who is and who was and is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be kings and priests to serve God the Father, to him be glory, power forever and ever. Amen. As priests, we are the privilege of worshiping God Almighty, of knowing God Almighty, and one day being in his presence. We have a responsibility to offer up our lives as a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because he is worthy. Psalms 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is, is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Revelation 19:5. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him both small and, and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roaring of rushing waters, like the loud peril of uh, uh, thunder shouting "Hallelujah!" For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. Give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. You are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. He's returning for the bride of Christ. When uh, when you were married, guys we were, were you expecting to find your wife doing something that you don't think that she should do? Ladies, when you were getting married did, were, did you expect your husband doing something that maybe he shouldn't be doing? He's that he was waiting for you and, and you were waiting for him you may you know we, we, is, is it just me or is it like uh, something that somewhere came in the way past don't look at me can't see the bride you can't see you can't look at the bride yet you have, you're not married yet you got to wait until she comes down the, the the altar the bride of christ makes herself ready third designation peter gives is us as a holy nation holy meaning set apart a nation set apart unto god holy set apart unto god a nation of believers as people of god we are to abstain from sinful practices unlike israel who ran after the gods of other nations as the people of god we are to live holy unto the lord Unlike Israel, who time and time again rebelled and worshipped idols, unlike Israel, who wanted to be like other nations, be like and follow the desires of, of of their sinful heart, we are not to do that. Instead, the person of God is to be a community of believers who are set apart and people who serve the Lord Almighty with all their heart. A spiritual nation set apart. Living among a nation and the world. I hope you're getting this. Because this is who you are. And this is who, who we are to be. This is, this is what Jesus is looking for. This is what God expects you to be Now, we're going to sin, we're going to falter, we're going to do all of that. It happens. We're not sinless. Holy is not sinless. Holy is being set apart. We, we sin and we, we struggle, we stumble and we get up and we begin to live a life for God again. Understanding our sin is covered by the blood. Understanding we need to confess our sin. And he is faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness. The last designation that Peter lists regarding the believers that they are are people belonging to God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of, of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Church, each of these designations, each of these characteristics, each of these things that Peter is pointing out uh, concerning was in the Old Testament. They were chosen. They were to be a holy, holy priesthood. They were to be a holy nation. They were to be people of God. So it's nothing new. It was in the Old Testament. It was, it, it, it was an, had Old Testament backgrounds, but, but I, can I say it's reaffirmed in the New Testament in the New Covenant that this is how we're to be, how we are to live. Even this last one. Deuteronomy 7, 6. And I know it's Old Testament, but you are a people holy to the Lord, the Lord your God. He has chosen you. New Testament talks about you being chosen out of all the people not because you were not because you were many not because you were good not because of your works not because of any of that it is because of Christ and Christ alone it is his love and he calls you out of darkness out of darkness out of sin he called Israel out of out of bondage He's called you out of, out of spiritual bondage, out of physical bondage, out of, out of bondage into his wonderful light. You see, Peter continues to tell the believer that, that once you were not a people, but now you are. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then Peter urges the believer to live for Christ. Peter urges the believer to live such good lives that no matter where the people called you wrong, no matter if 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 they accused you of doing things, things you didn't do, things you did. No matter you did all of that, the world will see your good deeds and glorify God. See, we're not to suffer as as being sinners or we're not to suffer as murderers as gossipers, we're not to suffer as any of that if we're going to suffer we should be suffering for who we are in Christ Jesus who we are in Christ Jesus you see we're to be witnesses of God, we're to declare, tell, make known to the world, Jesus the message that Jesus that speaks the loudest is, is a transformed life. It is a life that lives and speaks the truth of the gospel. It is God's love, mercy, forgiveness and the grace of God that we are to proclaim and show to the world. Let me be clear. Israel had a responsibility and that was to be witness to the nation but they rejected Christ and ran after other gods after their own evil desires. But that is not to say that the Jew is no longer God's people. That does not mean to say that God does not still long for the Jew to know Christ as Lord and Savior. In Romans 11, Paul speaks of olive branches being broken off because of unbelief and others being grafted in those that were broken off he's referencing are the Jewish nation, Israel broken off because of their unbelief and those that were grafted in is the Gentile who placed their faith in Christ Christ is the root Christ is the olive tree, the olive branch however you want to word it and we draw our life from Christ. Romans 11, 22. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. The non-believer and if you and if you do not persist in unbelief or rather I'm sorry and if they meaning Israel people do not persist in unbelief they will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again after all if you were cut out of an olive tree that was wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Meaning the Israelites, the people of, when they accept Christ as Lord and Savior. So now, The church, the Christian, the spiritual house are the chosen people. You are a chosen people. You are to live as a chosen person, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God representing Christ to the world, having a responsibility, a purpose and a command to proclaim and display the message of Christ. Matthew 28, 19 is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's not just talking about the disciples. He's talking about every believer in Christ. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Peter gives the believer a picture how we should live. Now listen to this. I know that we've heard you've heard this before. How we are to live as aliens, strangers in the world, abstaining from sinful desires that war against our soul. See if believers, uh, we, we find ourselves in a spiritual battle. You can't tell me that you are not in a battle. When someone says something and you, and, and you come back and say something or, or that you feel attacked or whatever and, and all of that, the enemy comes in like a flood in like a roaring lion and begins to, to tell you you're not worthy. You're no good. Look what you've done in your past. Look what you did yesterday. You look at the Word of God. You go to God and ask Him for your forgiveness. You pray and ask God to, to cleanse your heart from unrighteousness. You confess that sin to God. You confess that sin that to that person that you may have hurt. You confess that sin so the world needs, sees it. You are forgiven. We battle against sinful desires. We do. We battle against old habits. We do. We battle against, against uh, uh, bondage, spiritual bondage at times. We do. We live in a world, but we are not to live according to the world's teachings or ideas. We will make mistakes. We will sin at times, but when we do, we should confess those sins, our sins, and strive to live and grow stronger in the Lord and not be that person that you once were. If, here's, here's my picture of this. If someone was a drunkard and they, they fell off the wagon, should they just give up or should they get back and try to st- go beyond what they did before? I, I I was not into drugs. I was not into alcoholism and, or anything like that, but some of these, they have little buttons or whatever. Hey, I made one year clean. I, I made five years clean. I made 15 years clean. And maybe that person after 15 years fell off the wagon because of something happened in his life and he he just fell apart, she fell apart. What should they do? They get back and start to earn that one, one year button and strive to go beyond those 15 years. Not being that person that they once were. Knowing how they should live. See, if we we will never be perfect yet if the world sees us admit our sin rather than masking it or hiding it or or covering it up. If the world sees us strive to gain the victory over sin and 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 that sin that easily besets us, they ought to see the humility of the believer. They ought to witness the lives being changed. They ought to see the forgiveness of God, both them and, and, and us forgiving. They ought to see Christ in us. They ought to understand the love of God and the love that we have for each other covers a multitude of sins. Even though we may sin, we need to love that person and tell them that we're sorry. You see, the, the world needs to see and experience the love of God in action both inside and out, in the church and out. God forbid that we we live one way outside and and are holy here. We need to live holy out there and live holy here if we're to be the people of God. See, as the world sees the body of Christ in action, they should see it how it should be truly lived out. And when they do that, two things will happen. They will either be drawn to Christ, or they will continue on their path and reject Christ. But either way, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So let me ask you how are you living? See, I ask myself I'm asking myself this. How am I living? Am I living and honoring God with as these four designations, these four uh, things that Peter is saying? How, how how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as living uh, as a part of the chosen people, the royal priesthood, a holy nation, as people of God? I'm reading a book now of Francis Chan and He's a good author, and I really like what he's saying in this book. He's been a pastor for over thirty years, written a number of books, and in his book, in his book, Letters to the Church, he references the explosive growth in churches in other countries, especially in countries where believers are being persecuted. The contrast between Christians and And non-Christians in that that world, in those settings, are are, as clear as night and day. You see, it can and does cost believers their very lives. And they know what it may cost them to be a chosen person of the royal priesthood of a holy nation and, and to live as people of God. They understand that there can be suffering and it's not because you're being persecuted and being walked over by someone. It's not because of of something simple that we understand, that we're suffering for Jesus. No. They do not live to suffer. Instead, they live for Christ and understand suffering may come about. 1 Peter 4. I want to close with this scripture. 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed with his glory when his glory is revealed. If you, have insult, uh, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not believe, who do not obey the gospel of God? How does the world see you? How does the world see the church? How how do fellow Christians see you? Most importantly, how does God see you? Let's live as people belonging to God. Father, I pray that you make this ever real to our hearts and our lives. Convict us when we do wrong. Encourage us as we experience times difficulty. Bring to remembrance who we are in Christ Jesus. That you will never leave or forsake us. That we are people of God. Chosen. Not because of anything that we can do. But simply because you love us, that you sent your son to die, that whosoever believes might come to Christ. Help us to be that person of God to live for you. Forgive us of our sins and let the love of God that you put in us cover a multitude of sins.